0: Live your life, okay? So is life, who thinks life is just about exercise? Just about exercise. Who thinks life is just about money? There you go, all right. We have, we have a course for you too. Uh, who, who thinks life is just about thinking right? Okay. Who thinks life is just about, I have enough resources and time, your schedule? No, okay? Life is what you make it. Like our mantra is in the MS gym, where we're living a life by what? Design. Design is a verb. Design is an action. Design is an intention. What's cool is that your brain was designed before you even knew you had a brain. Your brain was designed to do amazing things. Your brain was designed to manage your body, perceive your world, share your emotions, love, encourage, learn, and for you guys, one of the most cool, or one of the cool, one of the most coolest, one of the most funner parts is that your brain <coughs> was designed to heal. In your body, like everybody's cut something, and a lot of you guys have had surgery, a lot of you have been sick. Your body is a regenerative organism, it's a living organism, which means that it wants to flourish, it wants to live, it wants to remodel constantly. Nothing else on this planet remodels itself like your body. Your liver replaces itself every whatever, somebody might know these, I should know that, but I know. So your liver will actually replace itself in a matter of months. Your skin, every single skin cell in your body will, does someone know it back there? Okay. Uh, your skin, cell, your skin, all of the skin on your body will re- be replaced every year. The cells in your eyes regenerate constantly, and the cool thing is, is that what was once thought that a brain was static, compartmentalized, and unmoldable and unchangeable has since been proven wrong. Now, there's still some people out there who vehemently protest that the brain can't be changed, and I really don't understand it. Because experiments have been done in the human brain, and it has shown that the human brain is able to change itself, literally change itself, due to loss of vision, loss of touch, loss of hearing, loss of sense. Since since like the 1920s. Yet modern medicine has rejected that claim because they can't put it into a box so when we are told when you get the unfortunate diagnosis of ms it's a scary thing right who who in here was not scared when you were told that you had ms right so it's a scary thing now somebody tell me what's the scariest part about ms for you Unknown. unknown what else yeah Right, so the unknown, no hope, no path, no plan, no origin, meaning where the heck did it come from, why did this happen? Yeah, it's you no know, control, so it, we can't give you any answers. Right, it's individualized. We can't give you any answers because it's so individualized, which is a crock of poop. Because if I said that to training clients, like, what training program is best for me? I was different with everybody. <laughs> <Just big. laughs> like, Sign me up, Trevor! You don't know what you're talking about, but let's go! I'm just excited to be here. So the thing, the thing is is that like I, I can I could venture a guess where MS comes from just because I've studied it for so long, or I can, that's a whole other presentation and I could completely geek out. But there's multiple factors. Right? There's multiple factors that lead to autoimmunity, which we'll go to in a sec. Here's the good news: is that the ner- what they're finding is that the nervous system can actually be calmed down by certain strategies. One is mindfulness, one is purpose, one is movement, one is mindset. There's a whole bunch of other stuff. But the thing is, is that you can heal, and the body wants to move. Anybody who tells you not to move is a D-A-M-N fool. Fool. Because the body was meant to move. There's three functions to the brain, which we'll go over. So, this is one of my favorite movies. Now, real quick, you have every slide in here, in on this, in your packet. If you want to take notes, cool. The video will be up later in the group. If you just want to listen along, cool. Whatever, you can go back and review your notes. Or if you want to do both, that is fine. So one of my favorite movies is Big Fat, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. The dad cracks me up. He's like, everything stems from Greek, right? And I'm like, and, he, and it's just funny. It's like, you should be proud to be Greek. Like, I'm, you should be proud to be MS Jimmer, yes? Yeah. Yes! <laughs> so just like everything stems from Greek, all language, everything stems from the central nervous system. Okay? Everything. So there are 120 billion neurons in your brain. Yes, ma'am. Uh, you're not going to be able to see the screen if I turn the light up. I can not see it. now. What's up? Does anybody have any extra books at their table? Here, I have extra one here. There. thank you. Sorry to interrupt you guys. Let's Okay. So each neuron, okay. Each neuron, so 120 billion neurons, each neuron connects and works with between 10,000 and 8,000 or 80,000 other neurons. So uh, without me doing math in front of you, all right, that's 9.6 quadrillion possible connections in your brain. There are 200 million stars in the Milky Way. Just let that soak in for a second. 200 million stars in this galaxy that we are in which we cannot even see or whatever else, like you can't even look and see that many. Your, brain, your eyes can't even take in that much light. Yet there are 9.6 quadrillion possible connections in your brain. So do you think it is probably possible that there's more than one nerve going from your brain to your hip flexor? Yes. Okay, do you think it's possible that there's, well, there's more than one or two nerves going from your brain to your spinal cord to your big toe? All right, you guys don't sound super, this table's convinced. Right, do you guys get that? Yes. Okay, thank you. I need you with me. I know it's late, but this is exciting stuff. So why should we focus on the central nervous system aside from the fact that you have 9.6 quadrillion possibilities to make it work right? Well, because it is the most efficient control system in your body. There are nerves, the one nerve, the the fastest neural track in your body is your uh, vestibular, ocular, or ocular vestibular track. Yeah, I've heard it pronounced both ways. From your eye to your ear, so for me to be looking at Melissa and be able to turn my head like this and still look at her, 10,000 miles an hour. That's how fast that neural impulse is. 10,000 miles an hour. So with 10,000 miles an hour, either way that fast, the the motor control system of the the brain, of the central nervous system, is silly deficient. So, you cannot train muscles without the nerves, okay? You cannot train joints without the nerves, without the central nervous system. If you take the brain out of it, which, I'm sorry if you guys are big machine Nautilus fans or whatever, but sitting on a machine, pushing a weight, takes your central nervous system out. Why? Because you sit your butt down like this, and the body's like, "Oh, we're cool, let's just kick it, what's that? Check out my chest press, right? You, you disengage like your entire body when you sit down and just use your limbs. I'm not saying they're all bad all the time, there's a time and place, but a majority of our training is on the floor, on our chair, or on our chair seated and standing up, which is why I have you guys do stuff in functional positions that you wanna get better at. If you wanna get better at sitting in your chair, work out sitting in your chair and be the best chair athlete ever. If you want to stand up, you better get your butt up. You're not going you to have anything. You're not going to get any benefit out of just sitting and pressing, and that's all you do is work out sitting down. You've got to get up if you want to stand up. And we'll go over a principle here in a sec that proves that. The second thing is that it's the fastest system in the body, which I just told you about, and it's the most anatomically stable. And I say that to medical doctors, and they're like, huh. Even the neurologist last week was like, I had never really thought about it like that. And it's not that she didn't know, it's just she had not thought about it in this context. When you think about anatomical stability, it means that your brain wants order, it wants predictability, it wants repetition, it wants to know what's going on, so that that as as quickly as it gets damaged, it wants to repair itself. The problem with MS is that the the connection and the guidance and the plan for that repair, okay, that repair guideline is interruptible. So that's why your bodies don't recover very well. But when we give it the right plan, we give it the right program, and we teach it how to become itself again, that's why you guys are getting better. Because the brain is remodeling itself. Because the, the, the yellow one down there says it's the most functionally plastic and changeable. So how cool is it that the brain is the most anatomically, meaning structure, structurally stable, but yet it's the most functionally changeable. So you have a really sturdy framework that has flexibility in how it forms around it. So it's kind of like an ivy plant. You put it on those lattice works, and it, or, a, or, a va, or a wine, a wine plant, a grapevine. There you go. So you put a grapevine on the lattice work, and what does it do? It works its way up that lattice, but it uses that framework to grow. Right? Your brain does the same thing. So what the heck is neuroplasticity? This kid doesn't know. A lot, of, a lot of physicians don't know. I mean, I'm sorry. So, um, so a lot of PTs don't know. I'm sorry. No, okay. a lot of trainers really don't know. I can just say that, and I can be bold on that Okay. So, neuroplasticity, okay, is the changing of neurons, okay? Is the reorganizing of neural ne- networks. So you got change, reorganization, repatterning of function, retraining of how the brain communicates. And a remapping of neuromuscular conversations. So, if you guys remember, every time I talk about learning movement, what do I say it's like? It's like learning what? A new language. You've got to learn each word by itself, then you put them together, right? Then you have a sentence, then you have a paragraph, then you have an essay, then you have a document, then you have a presentation. But if you do not learn the basics, your brain can't translate from its MS movement language back into its non-MS movement language. Because your non-MS movement language, you guys, guess what, it's always been in your brain. Unless you were born paralyzed, and just like Tara Richardson, she was born with cerebral palsy, but yet she's walking again. How is that even possible? Because it's in your brain, in your brain, in your DNA, in every human's DNA, I'll say almost every, just to be safe, What's the one? So, your non MS language is in there. You get MS, and all of a sudden it fries it, and confuses it, and gets it all jumbled up or whatever. You just need to bring it back to what it knows. You need to bring it back and yourself back to your native movement language. Okay? Alright, so this gets a little geeko, so this is kind of fun for Pam Woods and Terry. So, uh, neuroplasticity is all based on what's called brain derived neurotropic factor. I i sound smart, huh? Alright, so neuroplasticity, so basically your BDNF is what helps your brain change. It helps it adapt. It helps it learn. Neurotropic means generation of like neural pathways. Neurotropic, okay? Neurotropic means growth. Neuro is nerve, right? So it's like that development. So it improves all form of plasticity. And the thing is, you can control BDNF, and we've done this, I've done it personally with people with Alzheimer's. We actually use uh, aerobic, high-intensity aerobic exercise to stimulate BDNF in the brain to regrow hippocampal cells so that memory returns. So that ad that's out on TV right now, like, we're celebrating the very first survivor of Alzheimer's. I'm like, they're already out there. Why are you telling people this is impossible because people have been using exercise to heal Alzheimer's for like 35 years? Because... Oh, Why is my phone going off? Sorry about that. Sam. <laughs> see, see, it wasn't even supposed to be on. The ringer wasn't even on. Okay, hold on. Take a break. Let it soak in. Okay, so let's talk about this. So BDNF increases Exercise increases BDNF at what age? Can you see that? Say that again. What age? Any age. So right there, research has shown it doesn't matter what age you are, I don't care what age you are, and if you have that mess, your body can change. Second, sleep. Miss sleep decreases BDNF. Like V was talking about, you better get your mind right to sleep. You better tell yourself you can sleep. You better figure out a way to sleep. And when I say you better, I don't want to make you feel bad if you can't sleep, but if you're wondering why your threat bucket's overloading, boom, sleep is a big stinking deal. And it doesn't have to be nine hours straight. You could literally sleep like little bits each day. It's a cumulative effect. Nutrition, what's this say? What causes less needy enough? Fat and sugar. Now, I have a little bit of an issue with this graphic on the fat part because I don't necessarily agree that high fat diets uh, are problematic. If somebody wants to talk about it with me, we'll talk about it afterwards, but everything that I've seen as far as the, the paleo lifestyle, the keto lifestyle, all that, B can vouch for it. I, your, your neurons are made out of fat tissue. If you don't have tools to build the thing that is made out of the tools that you have, then how are you gonna build it. It doesn't work on carbohydrates, I'm sorry. It just doesn't. But sugar, I can tell you from personal experience, sugar destroys me. I literally, I try to get less than 10 grams of sugar a day, period, because if I don't, I get jacked up. And sugar will wreck your world, and sugar is in everything you eat. So for those of you that are really struggling with my diet, I've heard that a lot this weekend, seriously, <clears throat> just try to cut this in half, even cut it down a third, baby steps, make it habitual, all that kind of stuff, right? So this is a big deal. So look at what are we talking about today? Okay, exercise, nutrition, sleep, lifestyle, stress. Cortisol will destroy your brain's ability to change. Can anybody guess why? Think about it. What causes cortisol, stress. right? So why, if we have a ton of cortisol and a ton of stress, why would that decrease our, our brain changing and make a new connection? Is your survival mode? Correct. Your body's trying, good job, <laughs> because you're in survival mode. Every single resource your body is going through is trying to, to, to stay alive. Because it because creating new neuropla- neuroplastic pathways, trying to move again against MS, trying to work upstream against this monster you have coming out of you is hard work. And if your body's already taxed out, it's like, dude, I'm not gonna give you the ability to feel better because then you're gonna wanna do more and I'm already tired, so why am I gonna let you do more? Because then you're gonna make me more tired. Right, does that make sense? So can you see, this is a life style. Don't exercise, missing sleep or too much sleep, crazy amounts of sleep, weird sleep, nutrition issues, stress issues. If those are out of whack, you guys, Your body's out of homeostasis and your body will not get better. And I'll tell you why you're going to start. So, everything I do, I love this principle. I learned this in grad school. I really got it in grad school. I was kind of of introduced to it in undergrad. But the said principle specific adaptation to imposed demands. Your body will get better at what you train it to get better at. Another way to put the, uh, communicate this that I've said before is pro- progressive threat reduction. So your body adapts to the demands placed upon it. Your body changes according to what it does. If you want to change your body, you've got to be intentional on the way that you're changing it. You cannot just exercise to exercise. You cannot just go to walk and walk and hope that you get better walking because you're walking more. You have to walk correctly. You have to BGB. You have to pelvic tilt. And if I get intense on this stuff, you guys, it's not, I'm not trying to like shame you or condemn you. It's just like, I'm like, this is why I talk about this stuff, right? It, Cause it's that important. Like literally you have 10 degrees of pelvic tilt. You're not lifting your legs. You have 10 degrees of neutrality. Boom, all of a sudden it's there. I did it on you know, like five people yesterday. Ask them, Tracy, Jody. <laughs> I did you. I'm like, seriously, just get your hips under. Me. Oh, boom, wait, my foot's going forward. What the, that's really hard. Yeah, it's hard because your body doesn't want to do it all the time. Right, Karen? We just did it, okay? So neurologic-based exercise, strategic planning, and then dose-appropriate programs is what we're all about. Meaning that I, I can, your body may not be ready for 45 minutes a day, but your body may be ready for 20 a couple times a day. It's just like medication. It's just like, even like the CBD stuff, you can't go and like have an entire dropper full of CBD you're not used to it, your body's gonna be like, whoa, I don't know what's going on, I kinda feel good, but I don't really know what's going on. Right? So it even says like work your way up, right? Or something along those lines. So you have got to let your body adapt. The thing is, is that when you guys go to take a step, if you, if your body is not stable and happy and feeling good, like I could seriously stand here for probably the next hour and just do this. Even this, and I can just kind of hang out. Now, I had to retrain my body how to do that after my feet fell apart from, like, neuro-line stuff. I could not walk as It It was absolutely horrible. And then I could only walk about three minutes on a treadmill before having to sit down, because all my joints in my body hurt, and I had to just sit there and be like, my life sucks, but I'm going to keep going. I used to be able to do this. I used to be able to do this. I used to be able to jump on a 36-inch box. I used to be able to bench press 300 pounds, but now I'm walking three minutes. So what did I have to do? I had to teach my body how to do that. Area. So I had to teach myself how to actually take a step, find that balance, that BGB, and then feel good there before I took another step. And it is painstakingly slow, yes? yes. It sucks, yes. but it, is, it, it works. And the thing is, it's not, it's not, a, it, it's not multiplicative, it's exponential. It's not even, whatever that is, it's not not addition, it doesn't just add on, it's exponential growth. So it's gonna be really slow at the beginning, really slow at the beginning, but if you train yourself that every step I feel good and I'm going through my checkpoints, every step I feel good and I'm going through my checkpoints, maybe your left leg feels better than your right and you're so impatient to get the right one to go that you're just going, that's when you start peg legging. that's when you start knee-kissing, because your body's trying to keep up with the other side and it's trying to get there any way that it can but it's not the right way, your your body will break down because it's not meant to move like that. So every rep, when I tell you every rep counts, it's not some just like, go get a coach, like cliche t-shirt thing, right? Slap it on a t-shirt, but only if you're gonna actually do every rep and make it count. I don't care if you do three repetitions of just sit and stand, and that's your workout for today, and that's all you did, but it was the best thing that you did because you just activated about 87 muscles. Perfectly three times. So how you train is how you perform. And this is, there's a lot of performance stuff in this because if, if, if the highest performing athletes on the planet train their nervous systems first, why shouldn't you guys? You guys are athletes. Olympic athletes train to do their event. Professional football players train to play football. You guys train to live your life with the demands placed upon it by MS. You're an athlete you can't deny it don't shake your head no if you are no one's shaking his head no their head no and don't be just like well, yeah. yes you are and if you start thinking like an athlete like i'm training for life you will start doing stuff and you won't get eaten by t-rex right and you'll be able to jump in sick experience about like that okay so let's talk about the the the, so, uh, the emotions of the brain i gotta breathe my brain. i'm so excited to be up here i'm like ah! This is me geeking out, like hardcore geeking out, right? I geek out to you guys, but this is like uber geek. So the number one primary job of the brain is what? Survival. Good. Say it again. What is it? Survival. Good. One more time. Survival. Good. So if your body feels like it is being threatened at any point, will it work properly? No. No. Is it going to have the resources to heal? Will it have the available resources and space to learn? No, because your brain loves predictability because predictability ensures its survival. So therefore, if you're always in the state of trying to survive, you can't learn anything else because in order to learn, messes up the predictability of your brain. So therefore, it's not going to learn anything new because it doesn't have the room. Bam. Yeah. Bam. Bam. There you go. So this is what it's all about. There's three, fun- there's three ways that the brain works. You got input, interpretation, and output, okay? So when you, have, you see something, you have external senses, you can also have input from body awareness and also from proprioception. So your heart rate is a, is a source of input. Your digestion is a source of input. So what happens if you're in fight or flight? Is your digestion going up or is it going down? down, right? So if you're constantly stressed to the heck, you can't digest the nutrients that you're taking in in order to help you heal You ain't get better. So you have sensory input, either coming from the external environment, the internal environment, or by you moving and knowing, like I know my hips are twisting right now, and I'm not looking at myself. That's proprioception. It lets your body know where it is and what it's doing. If your body knows where it is and what's it doing, does it feel more or less safe? more safe, right? If you have GPS, we are all GPS junkies now. Can you imagine like being in the car now and being like, well, let me pull out my Atlas. Like, I thought of, I'm like, what? Like, I wouldn't even know how to use one of those, <laughs> you know? So you've got here. you have to have good sensory input which is a very ignored part of uh, neurological training which I will start to be adding into the MS gym. So you guys are gonna freak out, okay? So it's gonna be awesome. You guys are already doing it. But we're going to take it up a notch, because I love it. So, the second thing that the the, the nervous system does is integration, okay, or interpretation. What do I do? I'm stressed out, my right leg doesn't work, and I just ate, like, four Snickers because I'm depressed. (laughs) What do I do 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 with this? How, how How do I, what do I do with this, right? Can I do something with this? So if your body's in this state of like, I don't know what to do, then instead of it forcing itself to do something and possibly getting hurt, what does it want to do? Nothing. The safest place for you to be is on your back with your eyes closed in a dark room. For me. Why do you think like we want to hang out in caves and stuff? Like you know, Nobody's like, I'm having a really bad day. Let's go out and skip around the world. It's like, no. I can't take anymore, I'm gonna go bury myself in a corner. Except the gymmers, these guys have a bad day. It's like, let's just BGP, we'll be fine, okay? Now the third thing we're gonna get to is output. So based on the level of threat in your body, based on your input, based on the available, or based on what signals are going to your brain from a motor and sensory standpoint about what's going on around you, your body has to decide what to do, okay? So we've all does anyone not know what the threat bucket is? Okay, cool. So we've talked about this. I got introduced to this concept a number of times, and it just made sense when it was like this is just like a bucket of threats. And I'm like, that just makes sense. And I talked to my I said to my instructor, I'm like, it's just like a bucket of threats, dude. And he's like, that's what I always say. And I'm like, so we had this cool bonding moment, it was awesome. But the threat bucket is basically your body's bucket of input, okay? So everything that you interact with, everything that you encounter in this life, every second of every day, affects your, your uh, threat bucket. So me feeling that my left shoe is tighter than my right shoe right now and my foot's a little irritated because I don't usually wear dress shoes, I, that's inputting my body. I can feel the fact that my body's trying to shift weight off my left foot and therefore my hip is starting to do this when I walk. I know I look pretty for y'all, but I cannot wait to kick it in my Nikes later and get my gait pattern back on, okay? And when I do go work out tomorrow, I'm going to do some extra stuff barefoot so I can right myself from looking all this pretty, all right? Because I can feel that. But everything in my body, everything that I'm doing, every sense, every input from my eyes, my ears, my mouth, internal, external, looking at you guys, seeing if you're smiling or you're looking at me like, dude, shut up. I just hear this stuff all the time. Right? Whatever. Like, that affects me. So is your brain focused on threat or performance? In order for you guys to get better, that's a level of performance. Get out of your head. If it's in your head that performance means athletics, it's not. Because your body has to be able to perform the functions that you need it to properly. Karen, you look good. (laughs) We just raised Karen's strap up. She's like, oh, crap! Okay, so so, you're, you're, so is your brain focused on threat or performance? Now, is your brain oriented towards predictability? Is it predictable and more safe for your body to be able to lift your leg? Or is it more predictable and safe for it to be stuck to the ground? Right. Most investors, it's like drop City and you can't lift your leg. It's not that, you're, yes, your body can't function, but think about it. Is it more than just a muscular thing? From what I've said, yes. yeah. Because your body doesn't feel good like this. Right. Yeah. It's like, I'm gonna fall over, dude. I'm gonna fall and break a hip. I'm gonna fall and break my face. I could have brain damage I could die. Like, I say, I say that, it's funny, but it's like super true. Your brain is very primal in the fact that it wants to survive. Where do you think like paleo and primal blueprint came from? Like, this there's, is there's not a coincidence. So is your life a threat? Is your body safe to move? And is your mindset ready for movement? So you gotta think about this stuff, you guys, is that, how are your relationships? Are they, do they give you life, or do they drain you? How's your work, your occupation, if you're still working? Energize you, drain you. Does it fulfill you, or does it take you away from what you think you should be doing? Does it allow you to heal with MS, or does it get in the way? Do you feel like you're stuck there, because somebody's expecting you to provide or contribute instead of heal yourself. Or do you feel like you're holding on to your job because that's the last sense of your identity that you still have left? And if you walk away, you're thrown in the towel. When in fact, you could be releasing yourself from so much threat that all of a sudden you get better. Sheila Morris, you guys, ever, have people seen Sheila's post, she was out here in Colorado, she let me know like literally a month, in a month after she quit her very stressful job, she improved 10 times the amount that she did in like six months before that. It was just dragging her down. So, you know, and then we got into stuff like balance, movement patterns, sleep, nutrition. All that kind of stuff, right? So you've got to think about it, and like V and Misty were talking about, like you create your own threat bucket a lot, right? So you have your external environment, but your internal environment could be a complete landfill of. Fear, anxiety, worry, depression—all those voices that tell you you shouldn't be getting better, you shouldn't be getting your hopes up, you shouldn't be looking at assisted living. Everybody's going to leave. What? You know, why did my husband leave? Why do my kids not want, want to talk to me? What if the doctors right? What if the like What if I can't find someone to help me? What if Trevor's full of crap? Like, whatever. That's all threat bucket stuff that you create. So by waking up in the morning to be like, I'm not afraid today. I got, my, I got my Misfit shirt on and I'm, I'm looking fly, I'm gonna go work out, right? I know that I'm gonna have a big trip ahead of me, but I know on the other side of that trip, there's gonna be some good stuff. I know it's gonna be tough, I know my body's gonna be tired, I know that my legs not gonna function right. I may just feel like not moving that well when I get, when I get there on, a, on Thursday night, when I'm seeing everybody. But by by switching your paradigm and thinking what's on the other side of that threat and just by telling yourself every step, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm I'm okay, I got this, BGP, whoopee woo, right? As you do that, you progressively lower your threat bucket and you control it. Because an uncontrolled threat bucket leads to big problems. And the main thing for survival in your brain is pattern recognition. Pattern recognition, no, that's a psychology term as well, but your body recognizes patterns, it lives on patterns, and it predicts what's coming next in patterns. And when patterns get messed up, which is what happens with MS, we got a problema. okay? So these neurological outputs are built into your survival mechanism to, sh- to slow you down, okay? So if you're in survival mode, it's gonna slow you down. If you're in functional mode or performance, Mode, it's gonna let you run, it's gonna let you jump, it's gonna let you roll, it's gonna let you go. So the thing is, and we just kinda talked about all this stuff, all of this can add to your threat bucket, right? So sensory input from the body. Previous experience of failure. I tried this before and I fell. I tried this before and it didn't feel good. I tried this before and it gave me spasticity. I tried this before and I didn't sleep days. I did this one workout and then I was sore for five days. Okay, cool. Well, that's what happened. So that was feedback from your body. It sucks, but it's a good thing. It lets us know what to do next. Cultural factors, right? V just talked about that today, and I've had that issue as well. You guys have talked about it as well when, like, friends turn on you, or it's not okay for you to be in pain. It's not okay for you to be exhausted. You're an inconvenience if you go home early. You wreck a good time because you're like, baby, I just got to go home, and you're like, again? God, could you imagine like, what that does to your guys' brains? Like, I can't, I can't even imagine. Because I've, I've, I've had that done to me. Not by, not by whoever she's at, not by Missy, but you guys know from my story, like, I was married before, that woman was horrible at making me feel bad about anything that inconvenienced her life. I didn't get better, I got worse. So social and work environment, expectations about the consequences of danger and pain, beliefs, knowledge, and logic, okay? So all of that stuff is sensory input from the body. It's basically like, what's the meaning of it? You got anxiety and expectation, and how dangerous is this really? So think about that statement. How dangerous is this really? Is your sense of taking a step like this really as dangerous as you think it is, or are you just playing still playing sick? So there's this weird balance of I, my brain wants to play it safe, but I've got to use the said principle and teach it that it's okay. And let's take another step and get to two steps. I'm okay. How dangerous is this really? I'm BGB. I feel better. I'm cool. Big step. There's three steps, and you're on your way to third. Progressive threat reduction. How dangerous is it really? Whitney, you just went through an entire hurricane, and all of a sudden she's popping off 12,000 steps, and she's cruising around saving her kids for 10 or 12 hours a day. How is that possible when in her normal life, she can't do that? It's not adrenaline, because guess what adrenaline is? Cortisol. Yes, you may have some fight-or-flight responses, and you guys can probably do some cool stuff. If a tiger jumped out and was trying to kill me, I know you'd want to come save me. But you could probably lift the stage up and throw it at the tiger, right? But the thing is, is that I've heard that. Like, you guys have said, like, I don't even know how I'm standing right now, but I'm feeling good. It's not the fact that it's just some fluke that it's adrenaline. It's that you're not thinking about, this is so dangerous. You're thinking about something beyond that danger, like Misty was talking about with Chandler and Monica. Something beyond that. Because Whitney was focused on her children over there and getting over there so that this hurricane doesn't get her. So her body suspended her her belief system and allowed itself to do more. So it actually said nothing, and you even said it in your post, I didn't have time for MS to take me down anymore and all of a sudden I'm functioning better by like 5,000 steps. Like, there's something there, don't you think? But, but you showed yourself what the, what the level the volume of your capacity is. Yes, yes. It doesn't mean you're going to be able to pop off twelve thousand steps tomorrow. But if you're at five thousand today, you sure as heck can be like, dude, I walked twelve thousand. I can get to fifty-five hundred. I can do that for the next couple weeks, and then you're going to get there. Fifty-five hundred is going to become easier, and then you're like, I think I can do six thousand. I'm, I'm okay. Because how dangerous is it really? How tired am I really? Do I want to stop because this is where I normally stop? Or do you think I can push myself a little bit more? Right? So, yes, you're totally right. Is that there are extraneous circumstances that basically show you what you're made of. But then they show you what you're made of. Right? right? So you've got to sit there and just be like, huh, okay. Remember that one day that I had back in June for like three days, or those three days that I had where I was... Hitting out, moving strong, I was feeling good, that's that, whatever. It does show you that you can't do it. Your brain didn't forget. It's just that a bunch of neural threat crap got in the way and that what shoved you back. Stenhouse is going through it right now. She was kicking butt. And then she had a bunch of stuff happen to her and she's like, I'm so frustrated, dude. And she knows, she knows what to do. It's just that her neural threat stuff is just taking a long time to cycle out of her body because there's something that she's still holding on to. Carlton's up. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so the, the, the second job of the brain is why we're here. That's why I have a job. Movement. Yeah. Right? Movement, baby. <clears throat> so this is a cool quote from uh, one of the guys that I follow. Sorry. Um, However, you are how you move, it's kind of like you are what you eat, you are how you move, okay? Movement is the currency, <clears throat> health, fitness, and is the currency of, That should of, health, fitness, and performance, okay? Great movement produces healthy, pain-free, high-level living. Bad movement promotes pain, dysfunction, and a progressive decrease in movement leads to progressive decreases in brain function and health. That's why we're here, right? Movement is life. Movement is your antidote. Movement is your counteractive and your antidote to your MS symptom because movement creates function Okay, because of the set principle and it also reduces threat. Movement reduces threat. I want you to walk away if you hear nothing else that I say besides, it's time to go party in a sector. Movement inhibits or reduces threat. Threat being reduced allows you to function better. So, there's three laws. Okay, got Wolf's Law, and, then, and this is talking about how your body actually adopt, adopt, adapts and adopts new movement and form follows function. So, bone that's placed under a certain stress level will build up new bone in the, in the way that the force is being applied on it. So, like, osteoporosis literally doesn't even need to exist. It's not really a disease. It's a state of imbalance in your bones. I swear, it doesn't need to exist. If you got people up and you taught BGB and they loaded their hips right, their shoulders right, their spines right, all that stuff right, osteoporosis would be gone because I've been doing it for 20 years. I've grown 70-year-old women's spines. They've gotten taller after working with me. Why? Because we decompress the spine and we load it properly. I've I've had hips actually realign themselves. I've had had discs actually slip back into place because we loaded the body properly. So that goes along with Davis's law where soft tissues heal according to the manner in which they are mechanically stressed or used. And then there's Trevor's law, okay? I just made this up. So the brain will learn how to move according to the pathway that is most Effective and efficient. So if if road A, like Norman wrote this in uh, Norman, Tim wasn't Norman that wrote that about the roads. So he wrote that in the in the um, MOC. He asked this question: If I'm going, if I'm if I'm starting from here and I want to get to there, and this is the road I always take, and all of a sudden that gets blown up, what? And there's another road over here that takes me off the stage and goes around. And and at first I'm like I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm driving kind of slow, I don't. I don't really know, it's kind of weird. But then this road from A to B is out for a year, and you keep using this road, how much more familiar are you gonna get with the back roads? Right? And then it becomes more efficient. And then here's what the cool part about the brain is, it starts to repave it. It turns it from a gravel road, into a rock road, into an asphalt road, into a beautiful road, right? Because this road is out, and the city doesn't want to pay for it to get fixed, so therefore, you're building a new road. You're actually improving a new road, not building a new road, but you're improving on one that's already there. So, form follows function. So, bone, soft tissue, and nerves remodel according to how they're used. Walking is the single best way for you guys to learn how to move. It is how we were designed to move, it's why we are bipedal. We were not meant to sit, we were not meant to crawl except when we're babies. But even then, a baby just has to crawl first to get all of its muscles functioning because crawling is an exact mirror image of walking. So there's a function behind it. But the entire goal is to get you upright and walking. So your goal, you guys, I don't care if your foot moves this far. Oh, my God. That is one of the best things you can possibly do ever yet. Why walking is so important. Three steps. That's why three steps turns up 30 to 300, 3000, 30,000, 300,000, 3 million really quick <clears throat> because once your brain starts to get it and feel safe, it's like, dude, we're taking this road, boom, and it's so fast when your brain all of a sudden clicks and gets it. So if you want to fix long and short-term movement pattern, what do we do? We got to fix your gait. Okay, and that's why we have peg leg. That's why we have knee kiss. That's why we have hyper Right? That's why we have feet turned in, feet turned out, foot drop, all those circuits, all those, uh, all those companion guides, and then if you look and if you really, if you put all of my core programs up on a wall and look at it, you're going to see <clears throat> exercises for foot drop, exercise for spasticity, exercise for back pain, exercise for shoulder, exercise for neck, in every, almost every single program, they're just arranged different, taught different, and layered different in order to get you back to walking. Or once you're walking to then get you to maximize and be able to push a band. Or maybe to lunge. Or maybe just do a skater, which I know you guys love. Okay? Or a stupid wall plank march. Right? Is this making sense? Yeah. Is everyone with me? Yeah. Are we having fun? Yeah. Are you feeling like neurogeeks? Yeah. Woo! Alright. So uh, all right, let's do this real quick before I get into proprioception. Let's make some proprioception. So we're going to take a bath. So what I want you guys to do is pretend like you're putting soap on your body. And I just want you to just, just rub gently all the way up your arms, all the way down your arms, all the way up your arm, all the way down your arms. Rub your hands together like you're putting soap on. Rub together. Now do another face wash. I'm so pretty. You're so pretty. I love my MS gemmers today. Alright now go, go in your hair. Take your hands like this with your fingernails. Get your scalp going. Start and then PAX. Rub PAX. Get the pec going. Ooh, it's like thunder. Thunder. Now get your ribs, get your diaphragm. Good. And clap. Go high. Go low. Go in a circle. Oh, look at that! Other way. Come on, I gotta hear you a clap. We're training this arpeggio. All right, now take your fingers like this. This may be a little difficult, but you can do it. Play the piano. Doot, doot. I'm casting a spell on you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now take your hands. I want you to make circles, make figure eights, like an infinity sign. Good. Now switch directions. Good. 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 All right. Now put your hands at your side. Look to the that side, your left. Look to your right. Slowly look to your left and think about almost every muscle in your neck, just be like every fiber. Look to your right, come back to center. Now slowly look up and look down. Look up and look down. One more. Look up, look down. Cool, now everybody grab your pad. Okay, so I think everybody has a Marriott pen, so what I want you to do is hold it out in front of you. I want you to focus on the word Marriott. Wake up, Chandler, I'm going to do jumping jacks. Or focus on the red, I don't care, whatever. Now, I want you to bring that pen in like this until you just start to lose focus and hang out. Got it? Now, keep focused on that red, push it all the way out and follow it out. Now bring it in again. Look at that Marriott. Look at that red. Just to the point where it's not focused. And then follow it back out. Now bring it back in again. Look at, look at Marriott. Then look at me. But don't drop your pen. Look past the pen. What am I doing? Okay. Look at your pen. Now look at me. Now look at your pen. Now look at me. Now look at your pen. Now look at me. Now look at your pen. Now look at me. All right, guys. Right. I just hit 22 different sensory things in your body. Okay? Who feels more awake right now? Right, who, I know Janet doesn't, she just goes who feels happier? Yeah, you feel like a little bit more like. I just dropped my mic. <laughs> there it is. Crazy what happens when that happens. You get third babies that way. Okay, anyway. <laughs> proprioception. Alright, so the third function of the brain is proprioception. What is proprioception? We said it before. What 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 is what is proprioception in your brain? Three three letters. G, P, S! Right. Your GPS system is your proprioception. Where you are and what are you doing? The brain, the vestibular organs, the eyes, and the stretch receptors. What I just had you do, okay? This, sensory receptors. Stretch, this, stretch receptors. This, visual. This, looking at, and then looking at me, and then looking at me again. Ocular motor reflex. I just hit all those. Your brain is now like, I'm ready, whoa, man, go, on. We're ready to go, okay? So the proprioceptive system is your brain, your spinal cord, your nerve endings, and all proprioception lives in the brain, okay? So, do you think that MS affects your proprioception if it affects your brain and your spinal cord? Yes. Okay, so if we increase proprioception by, if if brain and spinal cord are kind of a little bit fried, what's left? Nerve endings. Where are nerve endings? Everywhere. Okay. Pressure, touch, pain, cold, heat. Neural sensors, nerve nerve endings are in your joints, your skin, your organs, all that stuff I was talking about, input, interpretation, and output. (laughs) Pretty much the, inter- the input and the interpretation is all the nerve ending. But output really kind of, that, that's kind of affected by nerve ending as well because that sends the signals back up to the brain saying this works or this doesn't. I like this or we don't like this. This is safe or not safe. Keep moving, don't move. Lift the leg more, don't lift the leg. <clears throat> so you have neural sensors for chemoreceptors. What do you think that is? Chemical, hormone. What if your hormone balance is off? What affects hormone balance? Gut health. So what if your diet's off and your hormones are off and then you got all these freaky system really freaky signals going to your joint receptors? Threat bucket. Baroreceptors. Does anyone know about it? Barometric. Why do you think you guys, your bodies freak out when the weather changes? Yeah, because your, your body doesn't know how to interpret that signal from that pressure change and interpret it back up to your brain it's actually seen as a threat because it doesn't know how to move around it. It doesn't know how to interpret it, it doesn't know what to do with it. Thermoreceptors. Body temperature. Is this another issue? Yes. Yeah, okay. So most important for movement are mechanoreceptors, movement and nociceptors, which traditionally, a lot of people say they're pain receptors, they're not, they're threat receptors. So these two, they play together, but they don't like each other. Mechanoreceptors inhibit nociceptors, which means that movement inhibits threat, and threat stimulates disruption in chemo, baro, and thermo. So the higher your threat levels, the more you can't regulate. That's why that sauna, like I said, hits your hypothalamus, your hypothalamus has a ton of thermoregulatory sensors in it. All of a sudden, the frequency is matching, it's like, oh my god, I made a connection, okay, I know how to regulate. All of a sudden, your body temperature drops. Same thing with movement, same thing with exercise. The more you exercise, the more you move, the more refined your movement, your mechanoreceptors get, the better they get at uh, inhibiting your nociceptors. All of a sudden, you can regulate your body temperature. Your bladder control more. Your visual field more. Because your body can process its world better. Okay? So proprioception is all based on mind and body maps. So with MS, your world looks like this. Blurry city. And when one part of a map gets blurred, the entire map becomes blurry in your brain. So if you've got a big old lesion back here on your cerebellum, which interprets movement and, and, and allows you to balance, you ain't gonna balance one. Based on the nerves that you already were using. So if you use another set of nerves that are coming out of your cerebellum that create balance, all of a sudden, you can balance again. Right, so you're using a new pattern. So what movement does, it lets you put a pair of glasses on to be able to see those maps again. So just like all of us, we are, a lot of us were born with good eyes and then we ended up getting glasses, like myself, okay? So those glasses, it doesn't, it doesn't fix the function of your eyes, but it allows you to accommodate the dysfunction that you already have in your eyes. That's why you have glasses. It lets you see, even though when I take my contacts out, I, probably, I can't even see, I can't even see your face if I have my contacts out. But when I put my contacts in, everything becomes clear. That's what movement does. The MS isn't going to go away, just like my, my uh, whatever it is, my, my nearsightedness will not go, I guess far-sighted. Well, am I? I can see up close. Nearsighted, right? My nearsightedness cannot, it's not going to just go away, the glasses aren't going to go away, but the glasses help me see, regardless of the condition that I have, or in, disp- or in spite of the condition I have. So movement, even though your MS lesions are still here, this allows us to find our maps again. Okay, so movement, proprioception, allows your brain to function. Okay, so what we're gonna do now, is we're gonna take a 10 minute break so you guys can get up. We're gonna come back, I'm gonna go through the rise method, and we are gonna move. Okay, we're not gonna go crazy, but we are gonna stand up, and we're gonna go through how to rebalance certain things, how to activate certain things, how to strengthen certain things, and how to actually